0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from howstuffworks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb and my name is Julie Douglas. In this episode, we are talking uh, about poop, which is uh, which is great because I feel like uh, with my daily life with a toddler, uh, like poop is uh, is an important uh, subject. It's uh, it's always coming up. I mean, it's always coming out. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's one of the, the things that I end up talking about with the child, uh, when we talk about poop and when he needs to poop and how we're going to go about it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then when we have conversations about it on like the changing table and I put his night diaper on him and he starts talking to me about poop and then, and cause he, he knows that the night diaper is there in case of night poops. So it's fitting. That's all I'm saying that I should, uh, hand over another portion of my day. Two considerations of poop.
0: It's fertile ground to tread on.
1: Ah, it is. Uh,
0: yes. Um We are, of course, going to be talking about fecal transplants, which we've talked about in a cursory way in the past, but we thought, you know what, it really deserves its day out there in the sun.
1: Yeah, like the episode that we talked about it in, like we didn't even have fecal transplant in the t- in the title. No. And uh, and afterwards, I kept kicking myself. It's like people are going wild about fecal transplants.
0: <laughs> They're Fe- wild about it. They are. I mean, the
1: headlines everywhere about fecal transplantation and and you know Colbert, Daily Show, everybody's throwing in jokes about it because yeah. you just can't resist the scatological uh, implications here. And uh, so we decided, yeah, let's go back. Let's let's discuss it. Let's discuss some new. Uh, um, uh, information that's out there about the, uh, the the procedure and about the technology and the idea behind it and uh, and just really own up to it. Because that's another thing about now being the father of a toddler is that I am far more um, open about poop. I'm more likely to make a <laughs> poop joke. I'm more likely to discuss it. I'm more likely to, to just be open about about what my, my own uh, bowel movements are doing in the course of the day. It's just really changed my life in that respect.
0: Welcome to the world of scatology. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. It is. Um. Well, yeah, feces as a medicine really goes back to the 4th century China, where it was orally given to those suffering from food poisoning or severe diarrhea. And in the 16th century in China, a fecal suspension called, quote, yellow soup was created for the relief of constipation, fever, pain, diarrhea, and vomiting. And fast forward to 1958, fecal enemas were first used to treat pseudomembranous colitis. So... It's been around this concept of using this beneficial gut flora.
1: Yeah, to your point, it's uh, it's an idea that existed before modern medicine and modern medicine has gotten back around to it and seen the uh the, the value in it.
0: Yeah, I mean essentially there's gold in in them their poo. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to throw out this quote because I think it's so true. Uh, this is according to Stanford microbiologist Stanley Falco, the world is covered in a fine patina. Of feces. And you and I have discussed this before, like any time that you're digging into the dirt, you have to know that there are particles of dinosaur poop there.
1: Right. Yeah. And there's there's poop in the ground. There's poop, uh, you know, potentially in the, the air around you. I mean, you're every day you're dealing with poop. We in our lives, we often try to to limit ourselves not only from the reality of poop, but just the the, the notion of poop um we we don't like to to think about it in terms of our uh, our water purification systems mm-hmm. or 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 anything. It's one of the reasons our our toilet uh, systems haven't really evolved out that much because we're we're far more content just to say all right, it works. It flushes the poo away in clean water. I don't want to think about it anymore.
0: But all of that poop has been really beneficial, right? Because what? if you think about all the dinosaur dung, the, the billions of pounds of it that seeded the earth, that helped other creatures to sprout forth and Other sort of uh, plants and animals to subsist. So there's a definite symbiotic quality to it, although you don't tend to think about that when you're thinking about living with someone and their microbiota.
1: Yeah, I mean the microbiota is key here because uh, we've 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 devoted whole episodes to this in the past to talking about just the 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 microbiota, the 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 the, the creatures that that make us up, that live inside us, Mm -hmm. Um, and. They live in our poop. I mean, our our poop is uh, is is mostly bacteria, and in a sense, we are our poop. We, and the, the, the sooner we <laughs> own up to that, the sooner we can we can really uh, get along with a number of the uh, the implications uh, of the studies that we're discussing in this episode.
0: Yeah. So it's not really like I am what I eat. It's I am what I poop. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, we're not just this brain. We're this whole body, and we're not just this. The body, as it would exist if uh, if it was taken to a mortuary and flushed clean of all its fluids, and because yeah, th- those fluids are essentially us as well. Not only our blood, but even our, our waste products are kind of parts of us on the way out.
0: And as I had mentioned before, we don't tend to think about this. Like, what is what's my gut microbiota doing right now? Is there any crossover with someone I live with? Mm-hmm. And this is from a New Yorker article, "Roller Derby of Microbiomes." The author, Veronique. Greenwood explores the idea of whether or not we colonize each other with our own bacteria, specifically with gut bacteria. And she talked to Balfour Sartor, who is a gastroenterologist at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And he specializes in inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's. And he says that there is a growing stack of evidence, some published, some not, that people who have lived with inflammatory uh, bowel disease sufferers for long periods of time had higher rates of it themselves than people in the general population.
1: Yeah, He also cited a 2007 study that was published in the journal Cell, in which scientists deli- deliberately transmitted gut bacteria of mice genetically uh, predisposed to develop intestinal inflammation to healthy mice, and this caused the healthy mice in turn to develop the condition. So here we see essentially the seeding of the condition through a fecal transplant. Uh, again, changing the organism by changing the contents of its bowels.
0: And again, this is just, um, well, not necessarily in the case of the mice, but when Sartor was talking about more about people just who are living together, uh, who have those trace bits of gut bacteria, essentially feces being exchanged here. Mm-hmm. So that's just the tiny bit that would be colonizing your own microbiota.
1: Yeah, and again, c- colonization is key here. I mean, just to throw out a few quick stats that we've hit in the past, I mean, the human mouth alone contains 500 to 1,000 different types of bacteria, and of those, only 100 to 200 live in a mouth at any given time. And, and that's just a mouth. Uh, when you take into account the entire human body, um, it, it, it really begins to skew the idea of what is an individual and what is a, a collective.
0: Yeah, because we've talked about this before. Like, we're just hosts for, for bacterial cells. Yeah. When you look at how very colonized we are by them, Now, we want to talk a little bit about a couple of conditions that are very difficult to treat because this will actually play into fecal transplants. And the first is something called Clostridium difficile.
1: Or C. diff, if you will. C. diff
0: on the streets. Mm -hmm. And it's a bacterium that releases toxins that attack the intestinal lining and cause inflammation of the colon. And according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, C. diff is linked to a quarter of a million hospitalizations and 14,000 deaths a year in the U.S., and deaths from C. diff increased 400% between 2000 and 2007, due in part to the emergence of a stronger strain.
1: Yeah, this can be especially a huge problem for the elderly um, in some sort of a care environment. Uh, And just to throw some symptoms at you, um, just to to know what what we're dealing with here, uh, you can look at uh, more severe infections of C. diff, uh, causing watery diarrhea up to 15 times per day, severe abdominal pain, loss of appetite, fever, blood or pus in the stool, weight loss, and then in extreme cases, C. diff uh, infection can lead to a hole in the intestines, which can be fatal if not treated immediately. So, as it, as this, uh, as the infection spirals out of control, um, it can cause a lot of major health problems. So this is, this is not a condition to take lightly.
0: Yeah, and it's, been associated with hospitals quite a bit because the strain that emerged is one that has become antibiotic resistant. And so not to scare anybody who may or may not have to uh, visit a hospital, but it turns out uh, that in an October issue of the American Journal of Infection Control, they reported that the incidence of C. diff in hospitals nearly doubled between 2001 and 2010, with mortality increasing from 6.6% in 2001 to 7 two point percent in 2010 and again as you had mentioned in the elderly, this can be terrible this is this is a big blow to the body
1: yeah and you know it's it's interesting just to think about antibiotics and their role in this and other condition uh, another condition that we're going to talk about and and think again about the body as this collective of all the this bacteria and uh, and 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 as, as well as our actual cellular structures and so forth but in dealing with bad bacteria, mm-hmm. uh, when you, you're using powerful antibiotics, it can all, it can almost be like carpet bombing a city to deal with uh, some sort of uh, insurrection or some sort of a crime problem or what have you, because mm-hmm. uh, you end up just laying waste. And sometimes you're creating an opportunity for, quote unquote, bad bacteria to rise up and take advantage of the new environment.
0: Yeah, because with those antibiotics, you have carpet-bombed all the good bacteria. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that uh, antibiotics after a course of treatment, that 40% of first-time patients will suffer again, and up to 65% of patients who've experienced two episodes are doomed for another. So there, up until now, and we will talk about fecal transplants in a little bit, there really wasn't a good course of action to take against this.
1: Yeah, because, again, it just keeps... Being a problem, it's you've destabilized the region, and then no matter you know, subsequent carpet bombings don't seem to be helping somehow.
0: Yeah. Now another bacterium uh, wreaks quite a bit of havoc, and again, very hard to treat. We're talking about K pneumonia or Klebsiella um, pneumonia is a type of gram-negative bacteria that can cause different types of healthcare-associated infections. We're talking about pneumonia, bloodstream infections, wound or surgical site infections and meningitis, and it too has developed antimicrobial resistance and recently to the class of antibiotics known as carbapenems. So this is something that's really hard to treat right now.
1: Yeah. Now, it's worth noting that the uh, clobicella bacteria, they're normally found in the, the human intestines uh, where they don't cause any disease. Mm-hmm. Where it becomes a problem is when they enter the respiratory tract to cause this uh, pneumonia or the or the blood to cause a bloodstream infection.
0: The thing about this is that as debilitating as they are, it is known that fecal transplants can vanquish these. And we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about how all this goes down.
1: All right, we're back. And yes, we are talking about fecal transplants or to use the more official term, fecal microbiota transplantation or FMT.
0: That's right. And uh you know, we, we kinda touched on this, we tend to think of our dew as just purely waste material. Mm-hmm. But by weight, sixty percent of our stool is bacteria. And we're talking about a rich, beneficial stew of bacteria in a healthy individual.
1: Yes, that that turd is is, is alive. There's <laughs> <laughs> um when when my son personifies the um his waste and calls it a mama. Or a daddy poo, or some, mm-hmm. or often baby poos, yeah. uh, though they tend to come late in the movement. Um, he's he's really not too far off the uh, off the chart, um, and so the, the idea here, I, this is one of those ideas, just to to, to ran a little bit. You know, when, when you when you get past the the shock headlines and the jokes. Mm-hmm it really makes a tremendous amount of sense. Like there's nothing really that wild or crazy or horrific about it. Um, uh, you know, we've thrown articles about fecal transplants up on our Facebook page before, and we have a number of Facebook followers and we have some, some very bright bulbs out there. And, and some people who are just, you know, getting their, their hands around some science and uh, as well, I mean, people of all ages and, and greeds. and, and some people, you know, react very viscerally to that. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh God, I would never do that. That's, that's horrible. That's disgusting sounding. But, but that's just the surface level. When you actually get into the science of it, when you, when you look at yeah. yourself not as this singular individual, but as this, this colony of bacteria, it makes perfect sense that you would deal with this imbalance by, uh, by, by bringing balance in with a, a healthy, uh, stool sample and implant that or somehow get that to, uh, the bowels.
0: Well, but first you have to get over the idea of pumping into your colon someone else's poop. Right. Right. So if you think about it more like this, hey, it's a treatment that's done by a colonoscopy. A lot of people have colonoscopies, right? Nothing yeah, yeah. too scary about
1: that. Um, I mean, it shouldn't be. I mean, it's just, it's an orifice.
0: It, and it's an orifice.
1: There's a way in, there's a way out. And sometimes you need to let professionals <laughs> go in there. It's just how it works.
0: It involves anesthesia or at least sedation. Uh, there's a full bowel clean out mm-hmm. uh, previous to a FMT. In a limited diet uh, prior to the procedure. Now, how this all goes down is you get a healthy stool sample.
1: That's key. They're not just grabbing just any old
0: poop. Yeah. Like, you, you you, know, in the past, I think it was done more like, hey, could maybe my brother or uncle give me a little sample? Mm-hmm. And you know that it, they're healthy. And then, of course, your stool gets sampled later yeah. to make sure that it's healthy. Easy to vet. Yeah, it gets vetted. Anyway, stool samples mixed with saline and then pumped into the colon and then... As you say, the the end result uh-huh, is a rebalance of gut flora that can eradicate the C. Diff. Because on its own, your gut flora has been demolished; it cannot, it just can't stand up to the C. Diff. But someone else's, which is quite hardy, can really do a lot of damage to C. Diff.
1: Now, I also want to add that the the mixture uh, can also be fed via a nasogastric uh, tube. So this is a one that, uh, that goes in, uh, through the nasal passage and down the throat and down into the stomach. Uh, but again, rather different than poop just being, don't, it's, it's hard not to, to hear that and not think they're going to put poop in my nose. I know. <laughs> I, it's, it's impossible to, to get past the revulsion of that and the, 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 comedic value of that. Right. But, uh, you know, again, it's just an orifice. It's a way into the, the inner workings of your body.
0: It's actually a bit trickier than a colonoscopy. You like doing it yeah. through, through your bum. Um, so even though some people might be put off by the idea of a colonoscopy, it's probably the better way to go. Now, just to give you an example of, of what sort of effect it has and how quickly it takes effect, uh, the Mayo Clinic in Arizona, that their FMT team first performed a fecal transplant in 2011 for a patient with severe C. diff. And, of course, the stool was from the brother. And according to Robert Orenstein, of the Mayo Clinic, he says, "Unbelievably, the patient left the hospital 24 hours after the procedure, after having been bedridden for weeks. That is how effective this treatment is."
1: Indeed, there and there are plenty of examples of success stories. This is not one of those things where you know they say, "Well, one person used this crazy technique, and it, it it happened to work in this one instance, but it hasn't really been vetted." We've seen we've seen account after account of uh, of FMTs producing results, restoring the balance. Uh, to uh, to to bowels that are plagued by uh, by these conditions that we've discussed. And in fact, uh, just to to go back to the K pneumonia, just last month here in uh, 2014, um, a, at a Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia, uh, they treated a 13 year old girl who uh, who had this condition with a fecal microbiota transplant, and they used it to successfully clear the infection.
0: Yeah, and we will not go through the the litany of things that happened to her because of K pneumonia, but it was, I mean, she was suffering greatly Mm -hmm. because it was just one thing after another. Now, I think another good marker of this being a success is the fact that someone is monetizing it. And when I say someone, I'm talking about the company called Open Biome. It was launched, that's Biome, B-I-O-M-E. It was launched in 2012 and is the only independent nonprofit stool bank in the country, in the U.S., it is the brainchild of MIT postdoc associate Mark Smith. And what they do is they collect, test, and provide fecal samples to 122 hospitals in 33 states for these FMTs.
1: Yeah, I was looking around, and it looks like the the prices uh, currently, you're looking at um, uh, $250 per sample of the poop. And again, that's vetted poop. This is good stuff. This is primo poop. And, and this is
0: what the hospital would pay for yes, it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you, you can't really... Go to their website and order it, or, or certainly don't buy any off <laughs> Amazon uh, if it looks like someone's uh, selling it. Um, yeah, so that's a 250-milliliter sample of uh, fecal microbiota prepared for lower transplant delivery, which we already talked about, or mm-hmm. a 30-milliliter sample for the uh, upper transplant delivery, again, through the nasal passage and down in the stomach.
0: The person who donates the poop, well, they're paid $40 for each nice. deposit. Now, if you want to become a uh, paid donor to open biome, you have to undergo really thorough sc- screenings, of course. Um, we're talking about a 120-question health history with a physician uh, to a travel history analysis and, of course, recent use of antibiotics because if you've used antibiotics, then you're probably not a contender, right?
1: Right, because you've carpet-bombed the, the, the civilization that's producing the, uh, the poop that they're interested in. I yeah. like how this could be a real game-changer in... Um, uh, college dudes making a little extra money. Like, no longer do they have to.
0: I would not attend. restrict it to the dudes.
1: Oh well, that's true. That's right. I mean, I was just thinking about it in terms of uh, of sperm donation. Right. And of course, the other side of that being egg donation. But um, but the the poop donation easier than both.
0: Well, I mean, it's great. It's like again, it's kind of again like a blood bank donation. Although you're getting paid yeah. for this now. Once- and it's waste
1: material anyway.
0: Right. Well, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. You're just going to flush it. Um, once a donor sample is reviewed by a lab for any infectious agents in the health of the bacteria, the donor's blood is then tested for standard blood-borne diseases. So we're talking about hepatitis A, B, C, syphilis, HIV, AIDS. And then finally you can progress to the actual physical donation part of it all.
1: Yeah, again, so you can think about it in terms of any kind of blood or tissue um uh, sample that is uh, that is taken and then reused in some sort of transplant environment is it's going to be vetted it's going to, they're going to look for all these uh, various diseases uh before it ever takes uh it's a uh, saline blended form
0: now one of the, one of the things about this it, it leads you to the question of like how good is that poop sample you know like cause mm-hmm. then you begin to really sort of grade it i'm sure right i'm sure that lab is like this is great it's got so much beneficial uh gut flora in it but There's one researcher who really took this to the extreme, and I'm talking about hunting down artisanal hunter-gatherer poop. Now, this is from the first paragraph of a popular science article by Emily Gertz writing about the scientist who traveled around the world to give himself uh, an FMT, essentially. And it goes a little like this. This is him writing, quote, As the sun set over Lake Iasi, in Tanzania, nearly 30 minutes had passed since I had inserted a turkey baster into my bum and injected the feces of the Hadza man, a member of one of the last remaining hunter-gatherer tribes in the world, into the nether regions of my distal colon.
1: Indeed, those are the words of Jeff Leach. And he, uh, at this point, it's important to note that he'd been living with the Hadza, uh, these hunter-gatherers, for, for over a year. Mm-hmm. He, was, uh, he was immersed in their culture. And he was... Uh, his prime motivation, he claims, was to study, quote, microbial extinction, uh, something I believe we suffer from in the Western world and maybe at the root of what's making us sick. So the idea here yes. is he's interested in these people's um, microbiota in, in their stool uh, because they, perhaps they have things that we no longer have because we've been carpet bombing our our stool for so long with antibiotics that, that we, we don't even have a, a a natural sample to turn to in the world around us that's his his curiosity his his argument
0: yeah now the hadza are um wandering foragers and they eat a diet of roots berries and game okay this is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why he was interested because they don't have the influences of the western world now according to the study uh, which compared stool samples from 16 Italian urbanites and 27 Hadza foragers of both genders, the Hadza guts are home to a microbial community unlike anything that's been seen before in a modern human population. And the idea is that perhaps the gut flora is what the human gut microbiome looked like before our ancestors figured out to farm about 12,000 years ago. So again, he's very interested in seeing what the sort of set point is before all these other influences began to uh, change our diets.
1: Primordial poop, if you will.
0: Primordial poop. Alyssa Crittenden, she's a nutritional anthropologist from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, says, quote, many of the bacteria are species that the researchers had never seen before, and even familiar microbes were present in unusual levels in the heads of belly. Hmm. So I start to think about this. Like if you began to extrapolate this or normalize it, then you can see how stool samples might be divided into different price points as <laughs> I had said, depending on the donor's dietary profile. It's kind of like you might be able to flip through a book, right? Just oh, you, like
1: a would, donor booklet yeah like
0: a donor book and um, and then if you especially if it, it continues to bear out that gut flora can influence anything from like Parkinson's disease to obesity, you may see this normalized to such a degree that people are willingly undergoing FMTs, uh, not because they're in, in pain and they have something like C. diff, but because maybe they just want to try to lose weight, or, or maybe they even feel like it would rebalance their um, their emotional states.
1: Yeah, because as we discussed before, I mean, the mind does not exist uh, in its own little bubble out here in the ether. Uh, it's not piped into us from some external soul. The, the way that we think every day, the way we interact with our environment, it's all dependent on what's going on in the body as a whole. So, yeah, it, it would make I could I could easily see that that reality coming about.
0: Yeah, and we we even have an episode I think it was called as the gut, the second brain that yeah. goes more into this idea of our guts regulating our moods. But of course, all of this um, this idea of taking of just willingly doing an FMT is dependent on that normalization factor, right? And what is more normal than taking a pill?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's here in the, the modern Western world, especially we love taking pills. We don't even care what it, what's in it. We'll take it. Just give it to us. You say we can treat something with a pill? Great. Give me four of them. So, uh, so yes, uh, some scientists have been looking into ways to, to take FMT and get it away from the, uh, the, the, the turkey baster, nasal, uh, tubing, um, colonoscopy. Route and getting more into something that is, uh, that is more uh, medicinal, uh, <laughs> in form. And so, uh, a study published, uh, in October of this year, 2014, in the Journal of the American Medical Association showed that the ingestion of frozen fecal matter contained in capsules resulted in a 90% su- success rate among subjects suffering from recurring, uh, seed death infections. So it's the idea, you freeze it, put it in the capsule and then send it on its way. I mean, it's taking the same route as those uh, those nasal upper transplant delivery systems, so why not?
0: Yeah, and again, we're talking about uh, fecal matter that was, you know, surveyed, and it was sampled and mm-hmm. made to be sure that it was healthy. And once it was capsulized, it was it was given to the subjects. They were given 15 capsules on two consecutive days and then observed for up to six months. And now this gets really granular here. It says their daily number of bowel movements dropped from a median of five a day prior to the first capsule to two on day three and one at week eight. And it says subjects experience no serious side effects. So it's kind of a no brainer, right? Because you're talking about capsules taken, you know, a couple minutes a day as opposed to a colonoscopy, which is an actual medical procedure.
1: OK. All right. So we get into a pill form. Um, we, we get past the jokes and the shock headlines. We get, uh, a better understanding of, of how our bodies work and, and the importance of our microbiota. Um, maybe we were even rebrand it at some point because you still have fecal in the title. Yeah.
0: Uh, what do you want to rebrand it as?
1: Um, you know, I feel like if we were to rebrand it from fecal microbiota transplantation to, uh, something like intestinal microbiota transplantation, I don't know if, if, if that would work, but like that would be, I think that would soften the blow a little bit. IMT? IMT. Maybe a BMT, a bowel. Yeah, we could just get bowel in there. I think I you know. could
0: do, but I feel like bowel has really entered into the yeah, vernacular. Or, yeah, or just people
1: off there and just call it a microbiota transplantation an MT.
0: Okay, I think we've got our thing. You yeah. know the whole like you know get rich quick scheme that we've been looking oh, yeah. for. I think this is we apply for that small loan, and then we start just marketing these IMTs.
1: Yeah. Out I of think, the
0: House Works office.
1: I think there's only one additional thing standing in our way. What's that? That's the uh, Federal Drug Administration. The ah! FDA. Yeah. Because uh, the FDA is still has yet to really get behind this, as of this recording, as you're listening to this in 2014. Past this point, I mean, hopefully the, the, the reality will change somewhat. But, you know, they have a number of concerns because we're talking about a waste product being reutilized uh, for use uh, as a medicine. And they have a number of concerns about that.
0: Yeah. In 2011, when we first covered this topic, there there are a lot of naysayers out there saying it's not going to come to market because mm-hmm. it's actually the cheaper version of trying to treat something, even though it's the more effective one. And it's right. not going to get monetized. But here we are in 2014 and we see, you know, now there's a pill form and, and it seems to be moving forward. So I feel like it's just a matter of time. Robert Ornstein's uh, I'm just gonna read this a little bit from him. He says that the microbiome of the gut is not inactive. It's diverse and plays many roles in health and well-being that are just now being explored. With molecular biology and the sequencing of these species, this can only get bigger. It's like the beginning of the space program. And I say here, here to that.
1: Indeed. And you know, and we're going we're gonna continue to have studies that are gonna come out about this. There are gonna be more long-term studies about that. That's one of the uh, the reasons that has often been cited, uh, concerning the FDA's concerns is that we don't have long-term studies on potential side effects of, uh, of stool transplantation. Um, uh, but, but we'll see. Like I say, is it, it's, I think it's all going to, uh, come out in the end.
0: Well, <laughs> nice. And, and I
1: didn't oh. even mean to do that. Yeah, it's it was just,
0: beautiful. Of course, one of the most exciting things that I think it's come out of this is a little product called Pooperoni.
1: Whoa. Are you talking about poop sausage? Yeah, I am. All right. Well, um, when is this coming to market? When's the FDA this? Never. <laughs>
0: well, you know, it. it there, weirdly, there doesn't seem to be any companies vying for this process. This, this uh, bacterial fermenting of sausage using fecal matter.
1: Yeah, despite the fact that probiotics are a big deal, right? Of foods right. that are pro- that are probiotics, yogurt is is a big deal. Yeah. Um. Why, why not poop sausage?
0: <laughs> exactly, and that's what a bunch of scientists in Spain reasoned when they were trying to say, hey, maybe we could introduce this probiotic uh, profile to fermented sausage. Because and- we
1: use bacterial fermentation. We've, yeah. We did a whole episode on uh, on fermenting and, uh, and and what's involved there. So we, we use these in, these in the preparation of our food. That's no big mystery. That's no revelation.
0: And they said, yeah, there's two kinds of bacteria used most often in probiotics, and they're far more abundant in infant poop than in adult Poop. And yeah. hey, they thought, mm, scratch head, a lot easier to get. You can just get it out of the diaper, right? Yeah. And lo and behold, these food microbiologists at Catalonia's Institute of Food and Agriculture Research in Spain, they absconded with the poop. I say absconded. Uh, probably they okayed it with the parents. They yeah. took the poop of 43 infants and they used it in the production of something called fouette. I think I'm saying that right. It was yeah, it's kind like of a traditional chorizo.
1: Catalonian sausage. Yeah. 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 Kind of like chorizo. And uh now it, it is important to note that there was no actual poop in this sausage. We may say poop sausage, but yeah. the only bacteria cultured from the poop was used to create the poop sausage.
0: And yet there's the association,
1: right? Right. But, you know, baby poop is kind of its own holy thing. I feel like we're a lot better about that. You have the baby showers where people actually engage in uh, the game still, where they have the candy bar in the diaper.
0: I've heard about this.
1: I've only I've never I, actually I seen it, but it exists supposedly. So I, I feel like that's a sign that people are they're more okay with eating or consuming <laughs> baby poop or something made with baby poop than they are with just run of the mill well, adult human poop.
0: I no, especially if you consider that you know newborn mostly is is subsisting on mother's milk right so there's not a lot of crazy i mean presumably there's no like craft macaroni and cheese in there
1: right they are wholly blameless creatures and and the same can be said of the uh the, the bacteria living in their excrement
0: there's purity and innocence in their poop is what we're saying yes yeah
1: all right so there you have it fecal transplantation poop sausage anything you could want out of a podcast uh we we just pumped it into you but do you want more well head on over to stufftoblowyourmind.com if you uh were streaming this episode off of stufftoblowyourmind.com uh do check out the uh the, the landing page in addition to uh you know artwork uh we always make sure that we have uh links to uh related content so i'll include links to that uh microbiome article that we uh, sourced as well as our podcast episode uh, and any other related... We've done a number of episodes that deal with human waste and uh, and digestion. We did a whole series on uh, on how food travels from one end of our body to the other end. Uh, so check those out.
0: Yeah, there's the pooping duck episode, oh, too. Yes. I don't oh. want to spoil that. The so cloaca Oh, the cloaca pot. Yeah. Oh, mwah. All right. Um, maybe you guys have some thoughts on FMTs. My question to you is, would you undergo an FMT if you found out it was like the beneficial sort of vitamin D, although some people are on the fence about vitamin D, but it was like super beneficial to you.
1: Yeah, not just a life-threatening situation where, hey, this is your only way out of it or Mm -hmm. this is your infection and we need to treat it, but just in terms of a a near-future situation where someone says, hey, you feeling a bit blue? How about a little brown?
0: How about a... (laughs) That
1: would be the slogan.
0: Yeah, all right. I'm telling you. Can't really do this IMP thing. Yeah. All right, send us your thoughts, and you can do that by emailing us at Below the Mind at For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Whoa.